From Schwartz Media and 7am, I'm Ruby Jones, and this is The Vote. It's election day, but when will the results start coming through? When will we start to know who's winning? And what should we all look out for? Which seats should we pay attention to? To answer these questions, we decided to speak to our election analyst, Ben Rowie, about the most important races to pay attention to and how we should be watching the results. We hope you enjoy Ben's guide to watching the election and that it helps make sense of what's shaping up to be a remarkable election night. It's Saturday, May 21, election day. Ben, hello. Good morning. How are you? Yeah, good. It's a very busy week. I bet it is. Six weeks of campaigning and we're finally at election day. Yeah, it's been a long campaign. It certainly felt like it's dragging on at times, but we're almost there now. Mm-hmm. It's the moment of truth. And as soon as polling booths shut, votes are going to start to be counted. But it'll take a while, won't it, for us to really be able to understand what we're seeing. So for people who are who are sitting down tonight to watch the results come in, when should we start to expect to know who might have won? So we'll start to get some real results around probably about seven o'clock. And I think by 10 o'clock, most of the trends will be clear, even if there's still plenty of votes still to be counted. So somewhere in that range of seven o'clock to 10 o'clock, that's, I think, where we all know what's happening. If it's a really big landslide victory, I think probably the result will be getting called by eight o'clock. But if it takes longer, we may not even know on the night. A lot of people have voted pre-poll. As of earlier this week, more than 20% of people had already voted early and those votes usually come in on the night but can come in a bit later. And then also a lot more people are voting postally and those votes won't be counted until Monday. I expect that when all the votes are counted and we look at the results, a majority of people will have already cast their vote before today, which has never happened before. You know, last election, about 58% of people voted on the day. So that's a big shift. Mm. Okay, so it could be a late night then. Yeah, if it's close, we will be waiting to see about maybe a few dozen seats that are not immediately clear where they go. And most of those seats will get resolved by the end of the night, but we could be talking like 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock that some of those seats become clear. Mm. Okay. And so, Ben, elections in Australia are generally won and lost in particular seats. And there are certain electorates that traditionally speaking, elections have often been decided on, and that's these outer suburban marginal seats and the direction that they swing in can be quite telling of which way the country is ultimately going to go. So which of these types of seats are going to be important this election? Where should we be looking? Yeah, some of them are just seats that have a lot of Liberal voters and a lot of Labor voters next to each other. That's the case of somewhere like Macquarie in the very outer edge of Sydney. But then a lot of these seats are places where you have what used to be called the mortgage belt. They have a lot of uh, people who usually have young families. They might have big mortgages. Uh, They do tend to be voters who are willing to, to move back and forth between the parties. These seats aren't the poorest electorates. I think that would be a mistake to think about them that way. There's plenty of people who are doing pretty well in places like Penrith in Western Sydney, but they're not the high education, high income voters you get in the inner city. They're, they're the kinds of place that would be really affected by interest rate rises, for example. And so in the past, they have tended to have much bigger swings one way or the other. The other thing about them is they have a lot of population growth. So they're changing very quickly which means from election to election, they look quite different. And um, there's new voters who weren't there last time. 
in southeast Queensland, you've got seats like Dixon, Peter Dutton's electorate, which is on the outer northern suburbs of Brisbane, uh, Ford in the southern suburbs, like kind of the Logan area, and there's a few more like Longman and Petrie that are next to Dixon in the northern suburbs. You've also got Latrobe and Casey and Flinders, which are on the outskirts of Melbourne. And you've got a seat like Lindsay, which is the Penrith area in Western Sydney, and the Central Coast seats like Robertson and Dobell in the northern fringes of Sydney. These seats are worth watching because if Labor is winning these seats easily, then the election is over, or if Labor is doing really well in these seats. There's some polling suggesting like a seat like Lindsay that has always been like a really crucial swing seat could actually be staying reasonably solid for the Liberals while other seats flip. That's going to be one of the trends to watch for on this election night will be maybe we'll see seats that typically are really safe actually proving marginal or changing hands, while other seats that are usually the ones you'd expect to be crucial to the results kind of going easily and not really being the news story. There's um, another thing that you've spoken about, Ben, um, and that is that there is this group of very multicultural seats that seem to be on a real knife's edge. This election, you've brought up the seat of Chisholm a couple of times, this seat in Melbourne that seems like it's going to be pretty hotly contested. So can you tell me what to look out for there and if there are any other similar seats that we should be keeping an eye on? Yeah, so there's a lot of electorates that are very multicultural. Most of them are pretty safe, particularly for the Labor Party. But there is this block of what I call the multicultural middle seats in sort of middle suburban Sydney and Melbourne. The seats I'm thinking of, you've got Chisholm and Deakin in Melbourne, although Deakin people seem to think will stay with the Liberals. You've got Reid, Benelong, Parramatta in Sydney, and even a seat like Banks in southern Sydney, which if Labor was on track for a landslide could also be in play as well. These are ones to watch as well, because if Labor is picking up ground there, they are seats that have become crucial for the Liberal Party to hold on to. So if they're losing these seats, that's also closing off one of the few remaining paths for Scott Morrison to win the election. Mm. Okay, and what about the regions, Ben? Are there particular regional electorates that could indicate what the national mood is? Um, One place I'll be looking is central Queensland. There's a bunch of seats there that cover towns like Gladstone, Rockhampton, Townsville. All of them were won by Labor in 2007 when Kevin Rudd was elected, and they gradually have gone back to the coalition. And then last time they swung really hard for the LNP. They're not crucial seats that Labor needs to win to win the election. But if Labor's not picking up any ground in those seats, that is another sign of a bit of a change in the political environment. Um, In terms of seats that are really close, the other two I would be watching are Bass and Braddon in northern Tasmania that cover, Bass covers Launceston, Braddon covers the kind of the northwest of the state. They're both within the top five most marginal coalition seats in the country. And Bass in particular has a history of flipping back and forth almost every election. So they're seats that Labor would really like to pick up, handy seats for them. And if uh, if there's any success for the coalition, they'd be needing to hold on to those seats. Mm. Okay. And of course, there's going to be a huge amount of interest in these blue ribbon, wealthy seats that have been traditionally held by the Liberal Party that are now being contested by independents. So out of those kinds of seats, seats like Kuyong and Wentworth, where should we be kind of looking the most closely? And can the coalition afford to lose any of those seats? Look, I think if the coalition's losing those seats, that pretty much puts to bed the chances that they can form a majority government. It doesn't mean, though, that Labor will win a majority, though. You know, if if nothing else changes and the Libs lose a bunch of these seats to independents, that just means that there's a hung parliament. Um, It may mean a Labor government, but it doesn't mean a Labor majority government. There's a theory about these electorates that Labor is picking up more ground, like they did last time, with more educated, wealthier voters 
and that's where their campaign is proving more successful. So if that's the case, I would expect to see some independents be competitive, but there's also some seats in these areas where there isn't a strong independent and Labor actually does have a chance of winning themselves. For Labor, um, there's talk about North Sydney, where there's also an independent Kylie Tink running, but Labor has not um, abandoned the field in North Sydney, and there's been some polls suggesting Labor can win North Sydney. Higgins in eastern Melbourne, and you've also got Ryan and Brisbane in the northern suburbs of Brisbane. Uh, all three of those seats, the thing they have in common is Labor and the Greens are really close in a contest for second place. If Labor comes second, they might beat the Liberal. If the Greens come second, they might beat the Liberal. So those three seats in particular are places where the teal wave may have an impact, even though there's no teal independent running and help either Labor or Greens win. But for the teal independents, the seats I would be watching the most, uh, you've got Goldstein in Melbourne, Kuyong in Melbourne, You've also got uh, McKellar and Wentworth in Sydney. And then the one for late in the night, Western Australian results will come in much later because of time zones. But it's worth watching Curtin in WA where Kate Cheney is running for the seat that Julie Bishop used to hold. So there's a lot of those seats to watch. It may take a while before we have a preference count in those seats and we don't have the same history in those seats. But the first thing I would be watching for is, are those independents at least polling enough that they look credible and serious? What sort of primary vote are we looking at for the Liberals? If these sitting Liberal MPs are getting primary votes in the very low 40s, that's about the danger zone where they'd be in real trouble. If they're polling in the 30s, they're probably done for. Mm. And for more than a year now, Labor has been ahead in the polls. They've had plenty of time to learn whatever lessons they needed to absorb from their 2019 loss and put them into practice. So it does seem in a lot of ways like this is Labor's election to lose. Yeah, I mean, Labor has been ahead and they've been ahead by a lot in the polls. And we've started to see some polls that have narrowed the race a little bit, although it's by no means a universal picture. They have taken a much more small target approach than they did in 2019. And it will be interesting to look at which of the seats that have moved and in which direction, because if it's true that you have this kind of realignment happening where they're picking up ground in areas where they didn't previously hold them, I think we'd want to look at what are those voters concerned about and does that change the way they look at politics? Like the kinds of electorates that are becoming more important are places where people care more about issues like climate change, socially progressive issues, and the kinds of electorates that are becoming less important are the kinds of seats where that is less of a concern. So, you know, if Labor wins this election, They'll go in with a full set of policy of what they want to do, but they'll also from day one be going, why did we win? Who were our new MPs? Who are the new constituents that we need to hold on to next time? And uh, I think that might look quite different to what it did when they won government in 2007. Mm. So Labor is still ahead in the polls, but that lead is narrowing. There's a lot of talk about Scott Morrison being this great campaigner, things are getting closer and closer as people head to the polls. So do you think that this election is too close to call? Do you have a prediction? I still think Labor are the favourites. I think it's worth clarifying that. I don't think it's a dead heat by any means, but I think it is now close enough that the um, Morrison government can't be ruled out. The thing I would also say is that if a number of these independents get elected, even if Labor really doesn't make any other progress. That's going to make it very hard for the government to continue. But these independents, they might all be coming down to small handfuls of votes. You know, this is not a proportional system. You know, there could be seven or eight of them who do really well and they all come really close and they all lose. And that is entirely plausible. So um, we don't know how that will play out. 
you know, maybe everything will fall Morrison's way. I think more likely you'll get a couple of more independents getting elected in Liberal seats and Labor will pick up enough seats to get the majority they need. But I don't think we're on track for a big landslide Labor victory now. Mm. Ben, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure chatting to you. Thank you.